Welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe on Main Street in Calicoon, New York, where you can stop in and try their in-house, fresh-baked goods, and more. I'm Managing Editor Joe Abraham, and here are some of this week's top stories. School districts across the country and locally have had to deal with staffing challenges and shortages due in part to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. We reached out to a number of local districts to see how they have been affected. Here's what a few area superintendents reported. Monticello Superintendent of Schools Dr. Matthew Evans reports that the district is presently seeking candidates across all departments, teachers, bus drivers, food service workers, security attendants, custodial workers, teachers' aides, assistants, and substitutes. A full list of open vacancies can be found on the district's website. As for tackling these staffing challenges, the district has increased daily rates for substitutes and also created five new floating substitute positions at a $200 per diem rate with a guarantee of 175 days of work per year and the opportunity to purchase health benefits and participate in professional development. Evans said, quote, in addition, earlier this year, we evaluated our HR procedures and revitalized how we are processing candidates through the hiring process. Qualified candidates now have a much more streamlined experience from when they submit their application to when they receive a job offer. Evans added that the New York State Education Department is currently exploring revisions to the teacher certification process. In particular, NYSED is seeking to eliminate the requirement to pass the Educator-Teacher Performance Assessment and substitute it for an integrated assessment within a teacher's candidate's student teaching or similar clinical experience. Evans said, quote, some aspects of the certification process can be arbitrary, and I think it's a step in the right direction for NYSED to explore how to facilitate a more meaningful and streamlined certification process without sacrificing rigor. I think it's important for the public to remember that a career in public education is an excellent middle-class career choice, Evans added. Working in a school district affords job stability, excellent benefits, and the chance to make a profound difference in the lives of children. Sullivan Bosey's district superintendent slash CEO, Dr. Robert DeFour, reports that they are primarily in need of teaching assistants, teacher aides, and some food service staff. They also have certified positions available, such as counselors slash social workers, and one assistant principal opening. On what steps they've taken to combat staffing issues, DeFour said, quote, permitting remote work whenever possible and continuing pandemic mitigation efforts to reduce the number of staff who are out due to COVID. Over in Sullivan West, Dr. Kathleen Bressler, the interim superintendent of schools, told the Democrat that the district is in need of qualified substitutes for a range of positions, including teachers, teaching assistants, aides, custodial workers, and food services workers. Furthermore, the transportation company, First Student, is always looking for substitute bus drivers and bus aides. The district is also adding a temporary full-time nurse position. Bressler told the Democrat that it's hard to predict which faculty and staff members will be affected day to day, so it helps to have substitutes ready to come into work. She also reported that the district's main office secretaries review staff attendance every morning and evening to ensure that every effort is made to find substitutes for all available positions on a daily basis. If there is a shortage of substitutes, teachers and staff are asked to help provide coverage. She said, quote, we are thankful for the many teachers and staff members that have provided this assistance to fill positions in order for us to stay open for in-person teaching and learning during this time. Asked how the state and or public can help, Bresser said, we appreciate the ongoing support and understanding of our wonderful school district community. From the state, we believe all districts would benefit from access to regular and reliable COVID tests for interested staff members and students with parental permission. We would also benefit from consistent, clear guidance from the State Department of Health. 
Other news, although single-family home sales in Sullivan County dipped 20% during the fourth quarter of 2021, attributed mostly to the shrinking inventory, the number of sales for the year hit a historic high of 1,328, eclipsing 2020 by 91 homes, or 7.4%. The figures, released last week by Hudson Gateway Association of Realtors, reported sales and prices for real estate sales in six-county region, which includes all the Mid-Hudson and Bronx County. Arguably, some of the slowdown can be attributed to the dearth of inventory in the counties north of New York City, the report said. In Sullivan County, end-of-year inventory stood at 390 single-family homes, the lowest number in the past four years. In 2020, there were 459 homes in inventory at year-end, while 2019 had 711 homes in inventory, and 2018 had 812. The largest percentage price increase for single-family homes in the six-county region was Sullivan County, which saw a 25.3% increase to $244,400 from $195,000 in 2020. According to the report, Westchester County, which has the highest price real estate in the region, actually had the smallest percentage increase in single-family homes at just 6.1%. The report said this may be indicative of the price increases beginning to moderate. Shifting gears to county legislature, the legislators called for an emergency meeting last Thursday, unanimously voting to opt into an opioid settlement agreement involving Allergan and its subsidiaries. Coming into the settlement agreement, the county will receive a one-time payment of $377,784. County Attorney Michael McGuire explained that 50% of that money will be unrestricted, but the other half must be used for opioid programming. Legislators Joe Perillo and Nadia Reich expressed support for 100% of the funds going towards combating the opioid crisis and for mental health services. The resolution passed by legislators states that the county will also be eligible for additional funds through grants from the state's share of settlement proceeds. The county had opted into additional opioid settlement agreements this past September. During last week's Planning, Community Development, Real Property, Capital Planning, and Budgeting Committee meeting, legislators approved a resolution authorizing the Division of Planning to apply for a Community Development Block Grant through CDBG's Economic Development Program on behalf of Healthy Kids Extended Daycare Program, Incorporated. Healthy Kids has submitted a proposal for the CDBG Economic Development Program funds and has requested assistance to secure funding for development of a child care facility in Liberty. If awarded, the Division of Planning would administer the $180,000 grant through the CDBG Economic Development Program. As the community continues to deal with the Omicron wave of COVID-19, emergency rooms have found themselves quite full. During the Public Safety and Law Enforcement Committee meeting last week, E911 and EMS coordinator Alex Rao reminded the public that emergency rooms should not be used for COVID-19 testing. He said, quote, our emergency rooms are very backed up and we have to keep them clear for emergencies. So just because you are a resident and have COVID, it's not an automatic sign that you need to go to a hospital. We're seeing with this Omicron variant, just a lot of cold-like symptoms. Yes, you may have some mild difficulty breathing, but in a lot of cases that could be expected with this virus. So please use our emergency rooms only for emergencies. While it might not have looked a whole lot like winter this year, the county experienced the first snowstorm of 2022 last Sunday evening, bringing roughly four to eight inches of snowfall to various locations throughout the area. According to Director of Communications, Dan Hoost, 911 dealt with a number of motor vehicle accidents, None serious, but par for the course. With attentive treatment from road crews, road conditions, quote, markedly improved in the afternoon. On Monday, no vehicular fatalities caused by wintry road conditions were reported. 
who said, quote, while our road crews probably weren't thrilled to be working on a holiday, they appreciated the lack of traffic, which made their jobs easier. A big shout out to all those who had to work Monday to keep us safe, highway crews, police, EMS, firefighters, and other first responders. Although minimal and scattered, power outages did affect many residents of the county as the storm progressed. A total of 1,273 residents of the county had undergone a loss of power during the storm, according to the manager of corporate communications at NYSEG, Kelly Packard. In the Liberty Division, which includes parts of Delaware, Orange, Sullivan, and Ulster counties, NYSEG pre-staged an additional 30 line crews, 14 tree crews, and 25 support personnel on Sunday. The storm resulted in seven broken poles in the region. Packard reported that areas that received the most damage, although minimal, included the towns of Calicoon, Delaware, Fremont, and Rockland. The, de the Democrat checked in with town of Calicoon Supervisor Tom Bowes, who said, quote, some brief interruptions were reported, and there may have been some isolated areas that were affected, but none were brought to my attention. As usual, our highway department did an outstanding job clearing and making our roads safe. The ice from the previous storm, as well as the wet, heavy snow and winds, Definitely presented difficulties, but we were able to manage due to preparation and our dedicated employees and highway superintendent, Chris Scullion. Over in Fallsburg, there was a structure fire during the storm. According to Hoost, it occurred in an unoccupied structure at 12 Roosevelt Avenue in Fallsburg, with the call incoming at 6.31 a.m. on Monday. Fallsburg, Hurleyville, Liberty, Lock Sheldrake, Monticello, and Woodridge Fire Departments were all on scene, along with the Bethel and Thompson Fast Teams. On standby were Grantsville, Roscoe, and Woodburn. No injuries were reported, and the fire is currently under investigation by the Sullivan County Bureau of Fire. On a solemn note, community members and firefighters across Sullivan County and beyond are mourning the loss of Forestburg Firefighter and Assistant Chief William Billy Steinberg, who died on Saturday while at the scene of a structure fire in the town of Thompson. The Forestburg Fire District and the Forestburg Fire Company announced the passing of the 37-year-old Steinberg in a statement Saturday evening. It said, quote, Our thoughts and prayers go out to William J. Steinberg's family and the members of the Forestburg Fire Company. According to a firefighter fatality notification issued by the U.S. Fire Administration, Steinberg collapsed while providing mutual aid at a structure fire at 65 Rock Ridge Drive in Thompson on January 5th. For more on Steinberg, as well as many quotes from people who knew him best, you can check out today's front page. To honor Steinberg's service, Broadway and Monticello will be closed in both directions this Saturday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Firematic services will be held prior to a funeral mass celebration at St. Peter's Catholic Church at the corner of Liberty Street and Broadway. All traffic will be rerouted from Broadway during those hours. That does it for this week's news recap of the Sullivan County Democrat podcast brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe on Main Street in Calicoon, New York. We hope everyone stays safe and has a wonderful weekend, and we'll catch up with you next week.